You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Robbie Samuels hosts the On the Schmooze podcast. Robbie, tell listeners what to expect from the show. Since 2015, I've interviewed entrepreneurs who overcame challenges to achieve success in their field or industry. Tune in to On the Schmooze to listen as I ask deep questions to elicit untold stories about leadership and networking. And where can people subscribe? Find the show at ontheschmooze.com or on marketingpodcast.net or just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You heard them. Go subscribe. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. The Guided Goals podcast gives you the tools, direction, and resources you need to pursue your passion project. I'm Deborah Eckerling, Project Catalyst, and this is the Guided Goals podcast. Our guest today is Steve Dotto, and we're going to talk about video. Steve is Canada's most respected geek. I love your bio. For <laughs> over, and for over 20 years, as host and producer of Dotto Tech, Steve entertained and educated millions of Canadians on all aspects of technology. He has since reinvented himself, learning the world of social media, online community building, and internet marketing, and has built his YouTube channel into his new career. So, Steve, welcome. Thanks so much, Deborah. I am honored to be here. Well, I am so thrilled to be talking video because I love video. Well, the, the beauty of video is it to me is a fast track to community building. That sounds to me like you know a lot, what a lot of your community is going to be interested in doing is ultimately building some sort of social network and building some sort of awareness for their for their cause, for their product, for their for their for whatever it is that they produce. And I think personally that it's a hard work creating that engagement through the written word. I have total admiration for people like you and Chris Brogan, people who can take the voice and can write engaging copy and can do all of that sort of stuff. But that's hard work on both parts. It's hard work on your part to do the writing, but it's also hard work on the consumer's part because in this ADHD world where we're increasingly consuming more and more content on our smartphones, text is, is a lot of work in order for me to invest in you. Whereas video has all of the senses brought to the brought to the table, which means as human beings, as communicators, we can be far more lazy and still get a lot more in. We see people's face, we see their eyes, we see the expression, the tilt of their head, we hear the energy in their voice. All of that we we just we just use to create immediate engagement, to create understanding, and I, so I always look at video as the fast track in the lazy man's way to create new fans, to create new engagement, to build your community. Because it's far easier to, it's far easier to just fast track that relationship building process if we can see and hear uh, the person that we're talking to. It'd be even better if we could smell them, but we can't do that yet. Uh, I love how you said yet. Th this is true. And this is also why I do the podcast three ways. I've got the video, I've got the audio, and mm -hmm. I've got the show notes because people like to consume content differently and with all of the tools available everything is so easy is there any reason not to do video 
I don't think there is. I, I think video is, I think for, well, video is, is really of age now because with the screencasting tools that we're using. And when we say the word screencasting, we're really talking about online video. It's the fact that the computer can act as the entire recording and production platform, and we don't have to do multi-step where we record on a video camera, record on our camera, then bring it to the computer, and then do editing, and then output it to another, you know, all of those multiple stages. The fact that the way we're doing right now with this Skype interview is you're recording my webcam and my audio all at the same time, all into a single source, that really makes it very it makes it very economical for producing. You know, I uh, I've got a course that I teach on screencasting, and one of the things that I say to people is that you can now produce video as economically as far as the amount of time as it takes you to write a blog post, and that to most people is a bit of an epiphany because they think that writing is a more economical way of creating some sustainable content. But for my videos on YouTube, which are between six and twelve minutes. Uh, I typically, if I know the content, if I understand what I'm going to be doing, and I'm not doing research on the fly, but if I can sit down and do you know, and start to record, I can have a video on YouTube, not ready to publish because it's got to be optimized, but have the raw content done, basically the copy posted within an hour and a half to two hours, and that's as fast as you can probably write a blog post, maybe even faster in some cases. And I mean, all of the SEO stuff that we do around that copy is is that's the same regardless of what platform we're in. But to be able to create some compelling, sticky content that's going to stick around and have a long tail that quickly and that effectively, that's going to play and resonate on so many platforms, not just on desktop but on mobile. Um, I think it's a very economical way of, uh, of 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 being a content creator of of creating content. So, you're saying that video is easier to process than blog content. So is it the same stuff that YouTube well, videos or how do you differentiate what is, what is? <laughs> yeah, the, the, well the type of content, this, this is an issue for me. This is something that I'm having an issue with uh, and that I'm increasingly, when I get the opportunity to do speaking engagements, talking to people about, because I think that we don't respect video in the same way. Now, and I don't mean respect it, is I don't think we understand the depth of video quite the same way as we do written words. You know, when we were in school and we learned to read and we learned to write, we learned the building blocks of writing, which are words, right? Words and grammar and, 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 and composition and all of those sorts of things. But we, if you physically look at the written word on a page and you just look at it as an image, a poem looks the same as a recipe, looks the same as a warranty for your, dish wash, your dishwasher, looks the same as a blog post. It all looks the same, doesn't it? But they're obviously written for very different purposes, and we apply them in very different ways. Yet, when people create video, they might create a Snapchat, or they might do a video like this, or they might create a uh, be on a live uh, a Facebook Live or a Blab call, or they might have recorded a screencast of the sort that I do. And they immediately go, I've got this great video asset. Now I'm going to post it everywhere. And they start posting it to Facebook and they post it to LinkedIn and they post it and, and, and they share it in all of these places. They share it on their YouTube channel with no thought as to what the consumer is looking for when they go to that social platform to consume. So we just look at it as an asset that we're going to share in as many places as possible. And I think that's totally wrongheaded. We have to consider where people are consuming our content in order to determine what the type of content is. For written content, that's the case. 
And for video content, that's especially the case. It drives me crazy going to people's YouTube channels and seeing them posting blabs. An hour long of conversation, which is vital if it's consumed live in a live broadcast, but is just like watching paint drying in YouTube. You have to understand how people are going and viewing. Um, the same thing is if, if, like, you know, videos like mine, which are all tutorial based. Why would I post them to Facebook? Let's think about it for a second. YouTube, where, which is my channel of choice, is all about intentional views. What happens when you go to YouTube? You go and you search for the name, you search for something, and then you'll typically binge watch within that area, but you're, it's an intentional view. You've come and you've looked for, how do I use Evernote? There's Steve Dotto's video. I'm going to watch Steve Dotto's video on using Evernote, and I'm going to watch somebody else's video on using Evernote because I'm here to learn to use Evernote. Why would I post that same video into Facebook where it's an interrupted view? It's an accidental view. It's candy. It, people aren't looking to learn to use Evernote while they're browsing through their friend's Facebook feed. No, no, no. That's not what we're there for at all. We're there to find out social things. So adding accent videos or, or, or you know, it's kind of these interrupted cat videos are perfect there because it's like a, a nice little bit of eye candy and spice scrolling by. So we have to understand where we're positioning our video, what it's for, in order to understand how to compose it for that particular network. D does that make sense? It does. And you said a lot of different things, so we're, we're going to break it down. Yes. So YouTube is for instructional content because people search it. I love how you explained it that way. And, and, and beyond instructional, I would add the word intentional. It's we're okay. looking for content in that area. Okay, which is why in YouTube's the second biggest search engine for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I think that is probably it. <laughs> and for my passion project, building my business, YouTube's search ended up being the magic sauce because I didn't recognize that when I went in. But as a matter of fact, I don't look at YouTube as a distribution platform anymore. I look at it as a search engine. And I build all my content for YouTube for search because all of my growth, almost all of my growth, comes from viral growth through YouTube. People discovering me through searching for video who have never seen me before. And that's where the growth in my communities come from. Okay, so what about the social videos, the things that people put on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter? What, what are those? Well, they're, they're video as well, but they're composed differently. They're going to be, uh, you're, you know, the length of content, the amount of thought that goes into the, the direction that they take, what their ultimate message is, is totally different. They're all about engagement, really, if we stop and think about it, if you or, or inspiration or something along that line. Do you really go to Instagram as you're browsing through it to learn something? Not, Not really. really. I mean, we'll see the odd one. Like people like Shailene Johnson do, do a good job of showing, you know, one type of workout and those sorts of things. And, and the simple green smoothies people give you an idea of a new recipe and that sort of stuff. So there's there's some, definitely some things there. But for the most part, it's a little, a little taste of Deborah's life, a little peek into what's important to Deborah right now, or it's Deborah giving me a little bit of encouragement or something like that, right? Those are the things that I look for or we typically get from Instagram. It, it's not you teaching me how to do some. It's not you teaching me how to write headlines. Yeah. No, because why would why, if I want to learn how to write headlines, I want to go to YouTube and say, how do I write headlines? Right. Right. Or, but couldn't I? Let's say I had an article on how to write headlines. I could be like, hey, aren't you interested in learning stuff? Or you or, could do that. It, it, last leader. Or look at which of these headlines do you like? Boom. Put two of them up. 
and give me a, a little snapshot of thought. Oh, why is that one better? Come to my come come to my video and ch- ch- and, and I'll tell you how. Right. 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 And so those sorts of things. Yes. It, if you take, and I have no problem with almost any of our social forums being used in any other one, uh, people that do blabs, if you're going to post that to YouTube or you're going to post it to Facebook, don't post the whole thing. Create a sizzle reel with a couple of highlights, right? 20 seconds, 30 seconds, even three or four minutes compressed so that people can consume it in the proper way. They aren't going to spend a long time looking at your feed in or your any one message in Instagram. In Twitter, it's going to be even less. In Facebook, it's very short as well. You've got to keep these things into the into the realm of how long you will spend watching something. If you're on Facebook, if you're scrolling through your Facebook feed, you've got 15 or 20 minutes before, you know, while the pasta is boiling on the stove. You don't want to watch a seven-minute video. That takes up too much of your time. You don't get to browse through all of the ADHD content that we now desire to consume of all of our friends going on, right? So we need. So we were looking for little short snippets. So packaging is it's it's all about intention of the visit to that particular social platform. Okay. That's at least that's my idea. And the other thing too is, isn't it like brand recognition sorts of things? Why you would do the short ones so people know who sure. you are. And all of those platforms do that. They, so they bind people to you over time. You know, what's the, and I hate these hackneyed phrases, but, uh, you know, the whole internet marketing thing says, we well, want people to know you, like you, and trust you. Right. Well, the trust probably comes from the longer forms, but the knowing and liking comes from these short little hits. A little bit of humor, nice photo, a smile, uh, a, a, oh, I didn't think about that type moment that you see in people's feeds. You get, you get that little bit of relationship access asynchronously as we browse through our feeds and we see people active, we see people engage in life, we see that they share common values, common concerns. Those are the things that slowly bind us and form that base, that relationship that gets us to the next phase. Okay. And so this is uh, talking heads. I, I don't know how to transition. Talking heads versus non-talking heads. What are your thoughts? If you got a head that's good at talking, yeah, I would say do a talking head. All my videos are talking head to a certain extent. I key my video over top of a background without I'm teaching, and it's unusual in my space. Most of the most of the people don't do it, um, but I'm all about edutainment as opposed to straight education or straight entertainment. I'm trying to teach at the same time as I'm trying to entertain. So I'm trying to kind of serve two masters, and I just think it's a lot easier for me to communicate and to engage with you if you can see my face because I know I'm fairly expressive and I know I'm good at talking like this. And so I want that. I find videos that's just, you know, if you if you just have a slideshow and I can't see your face, I'm far less likely to be engaged. You know, I look at I look at some top social media professionals who do webinars that are just slideshows and I never get to see their face on the webinar. And I go, what's the point? What's the point of this? Why is this live? Or why are you claiming this is live? Because it's not I don't, I, you know, I, I'm not, there's no engagement there happening. You know, yes, maybe I can type a question, but I want to see your face. You know, and, and one thing that, you know, people say, well, if I make a mistake or I don't look my best or all that sort of stuff, you know, we, people don't give themselves the same credit as they give others. So I recognize that this is also a gender thing where, you know, I'm sure that you spent a fair bit of time getting ready for this today, whereas I put some goop in my hair and put a clean t-shirt on. And it, it but, Thank but, you. Well, you look awesome. Uh, but I, 
you know, it, it, we don't, we don't, we, people don't judge us with those eyes. You know, if you, if you haven't got perfect hair, perfect makeup, I don't think people are going to judge you. If you make a mistake, if you stumble and you go, ah, what I meant was like, just what you just said now, when you said, I don't know how to transition into this elegantly, so I'm just going to go. Mm-hmm. That would bother a lot of people. I could tell it bothered you a little bit, but I can guarantee you that that bothered zero people who are watching. The only time that they would be bothered is if it really bothers you. And then it's not bothering them, but they're feeling an affinity for your embarrassment or your uncomfortableness. And that's what creates that tension that we don't want. When when you're standing on the stage giving a presentation, if you if you lose your train of thought, you can look at the audience and go, shit. I lost my train of thought. And then you go on and then you, what was it? And I'll, I'll do that sometimes. And the people will say, you were talking about this. Thank you. And I'm back on it. If I panicked and got all uncomfortable, the audience would care. But if you don't, if, if you engage and are straight up and honest and open, you can get away with a lot of crap. So talking heads, people don't do because they want to protect themselves to a certain extent. I'm saying, screw that. You don't need the protection and you're probably going to be better off without it. Now, having said that, certain types of videos, you know, you're, it's just, it's just, it's not necessary. It doesn't add to the value. Uh, but if, you know, if it's, if it's a vacation video where you're, you know, you're doing lots of, you know, beauty shots and stuff, you know, I'd rather see the mountains, not your, your mug, Steve. But for the most part, I think seeing people's eyes, seeing the tilt of their heads, seeing their expressions is just another, it's it, it why, why throw away those communication triggers that help us out along the way. And you might have just answered this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What do you say to people who aren't comfortable in front of the camera? It's so hard. It's so hard to get yourself to the point where where you are comfortable. And I think that the, the birth of live streaming is helping a lot of people. Being able to jump onto a blab occasionally and realize that you didn't die of embarrassment, you know, doing a uh, doing some Snapchatting or even just video conferencing like this with the, you know over Skype with some friends gets people fu- you know gets people comfortable with the metaphor and gets people comfortable with 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 camera. Uh, you know, I know some people can't get over it. I know some people just are self-conscious and it just gets nervous and it's a big roadblock. And for them, I I, I guess you know if they, it's really important that they get to that point that they do it then they probably should go analog before they go digital. You know, if, if, if you can't do it, join an improv group, you know, you know, an amateur improv group and learn how to do some improv theater, learn how to make mistakes and laugh at yourself and, and put yourself out in front of people and then slowly transition over. Um, but I, you know, again, it's easy for me because I've done it for so long, uh, but I've watched my students and I watch them grow in confidence over time. And I always smack them down. I always say, you know, we, you need more energy. We, you can't be monotone. You don't have to be perfect. It's better to be imperfect and have energy than to be perfect and flat. And so, and people are going to gravitate towards that. And it just takes, it just takes time and, 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 uh, you know, taking a few chances. And again, you answered the next question before I asked it, which is what, what what mistakes people make, and it's just not doing it. Well, technically, okay, let's go through, because there are some technical mistakes people make. Okay. And the biggest technical mistake people make is being afraid of the microphone. Your microphone is so important. In video, the most important aspect of video is the audio. People will watch good quality vi- uh, audio that has poor video attached, 
but they will not consume good quality video that has poor audio attached. Our ears are more sensitive organs than our eyes are. So making sure that you're good on your mic, that you're comfortable. I love the fact that your mic is in your shot, Deborah, because it means that you're not afraid of the mic. A lot of people want to hide it. Like people don't know you're using a mic. What's, why do you want to hide the mic? What does it care? You know, you might, I got a big ass mic in here. But I sound great because I've spent the effort on getting a great quality audio system and I use it right. So I pay attention to the ma- what the manufacturer wants, where they want my mouth, where they want the mic in position, and I pay attention to that and I deliver good audio all the time. So technically speaking, the biggest mistake people make is audio, making sure that their audio isn't A1. Uh, that that's probably in my mind the biggest single mistake and the biggest uh, the most important thing in, in in the entire online video space. Any final thoughts before we go into talking about work-life balance, which I know you've been mulling about the entire time we've been talking? Mm, No, I don't think so. I think I talked a lot. (laughs) Now I'm anxious. Work-life balance, what's that? Is that some newfangled thing? Whether you have a day job and a side project or you're an entrepreneur with like a gazillion side projects, you have to have some sort of balance. Is there anything you do to keep your sanity? I fish. Okay. I have a, I have a cabin in the, up in the, in the woods that I go to with my son or whoever wants to go up with me and I fish and I, dis- and I disconnect. <laughs> they've now, there is now mobile data up in the area, which I actually like because it means that I can when I get in, but I will amazingly come in from the lake and not even check my email. And that to me is huge uh, because I'm so vested. You know, the idea of work-life balance, I respect it and I understand. I've got lots of friends who talk about the beauty and the power of disengagement and disconnecting and what they get out of that. But I never looked at my life as compartmentalized. I've always looked holistically at what goes on in my life. And there was a time when my kids were young that I spent a lot more time concentrating on family. And now that my kids are grown and older and I've transitioned into a new career because I'm only three years into this online stuff and I spent the first two years sucking at it terribly and nothing that I could do turned out right. So I've had to overcome that the only way I know, which is pouring additional energy and concentration and effort into it. But what I get out of it is is important to me. I, a lot of my personal identity is built up in how we've built uh, this brand out of nothing and how I've learned uh, what I've learned about this new marketplace. And the fact that I can share with others and that I see their success gives me a lot of positive reinforcement back. So to me, work-life balance is all about success balance, you know, making sure that I'm doing things, doing them right, and and separating the ones that happen in my personal life from the business life, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about it and thinking about it. My personal life tells me when I'm not spending enough time in it and lets me know. And I, in, or if I don't recognize the fact, which I think I'm pretty good at doing, and, uh, in, and I think just having healthy, happy individuals with both of us, with my partner, myself, uh, my kids are all you know heavily engaged in work. They don't want dad poking around all the time now. My kids are all, you know, the youngest is graduating high school this year. So they don't want me involved in every aspect of their life. They're when they have to be. They're when we want to be and when the opportunity is there. But for the most part, I've, uh, I, I kind of just kind of go with whatever is kind of top of mind. I'm sure that's not 
the Zen balance that most of your audience <laughs> espouses to, but it's the way that I do things. Okay, but we can we can glean a personal goal out of this, and I think it's to find some place where you're disconnected at least for a little bit to recharge and re-energize and just be um, aware you know what? of you know yourself. What? I, 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 don't, I don't get excited about the idea of disengaging. You really? know what I get excited about? What? I get excited about taking something that is that I do myself and finding a way to offload that and finding a way to slowly build my team and taking things off my plate and giving somebody else success in that space so that we all succeed. To me, that's, is, that's a gift because at that point there, I can then take that time and I can do something else with it. And what I choose to do with it is probably going to be different as we go ahead, you know, based on, based on what's happening, you know, overall in our life and also what season it is, whether or not the lakes are, have, have the, the bugs are hatching on the lake or it's frozen over. It's frozen over. I have no interest in going there, frankly. I'd rather work my ass off so that when the bugs are coming off, I can go and have a visit with Mr. Rainbow Trout. So, you know, so for me, short-term goals, I'll tell you what they are right now. It's fine. It's, it's building and empowering a team to do the things that I feel I have to do myself right now. Is that a good one for you? Do you like that one? Oh, that's great. So listener, if you have something that you can offload, find a way, find a good person you trust and bless them with, with the work that you don't necessarily want or need to do. Yes. You like that better? I do like that. I wonder if they, I wonder if I can talk my staff into thinking that it's a blessing and it's something I don't have to pay them for. I'm just blessing you with this. <laughs> that would be so good. I like how you say it. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> and so the professional goal is to do a video. If you have been avoiding it, just do one. Do like a five-minute instructional video you can put up on YouTube or not put up on YouTube, but just get yourself on the camera and start practicing. And the more you practice, like with anything, the better you will become. And you can step, you can take small steps. Adobe just released, what is it called today? Spark. Spark. I was just playing with it before we had this call. And oh my gosh, it looks like a very cool thing. Now it's not going to be traditional video but it's going to get you into the narrative of what video is, creating the flow. One I other love tip it. to producing good video, when I, when I boasted earlier about the way that I can produce a video in the same amount of time as you take for a blog post, mm -hmm. one of the reasons is I have a format. I have a format that I work to in each and every one of my videos, so I'm not making creative calls in the middle of producing the video. So I don't have to make all those decisions. I know what my intro looks like and how long it is and what I want to accomplish. I want to talk, I want to establish my personality, create a little bit of a joke and tell them what the video is about. Then I have a little bumper, then I, then I create context. I say, this is why this is important. And then I do my product demo. I show them the product and then I've got my wrap, which is my calls to action. So I've got these segments of each video that are there in each and every video. Crucial for doing production type work. If you play with the Adobe product and you start playing with their format for creating videos, and this isn't video talking head video, this is typically text and graphics and, and, and a slideshow type video that's going to be strung together and played as a video, you'll see that structure that they've got. They've actually got kind of formats laid out for you. That is a great place to start. And in your head, if you do want to create some videos, having that kind of a format 
a structure means you always know where you are and it removes you from the responsibility of trying to figure out what's happening next and where you should go next because you can basically tick things off in your mind even without a script just point form uh, uh, point form script to work from you then know where you are and allows you to logically go through it and complete each sequence and check it off because success is important having you know having something in the can that you can use super important as you move along so that would be the one you know if you are going to create that video which I think is a great idea have a format that you want to work to before you start. I, I think that sounds great because, you, well, you saw mine too. There, yes. I have a very, very specific format in how I do my interviews, so I'm completely yes. on board. Thank <laughs> you so much, Steve Dotto, for joining us today on the Guided Goals podcast. You can go to guidedgoals.com to get the show notes and links that are mentioned and anything you want to send me, Steve, I'll include as well. And also to get more information about how you can live the life you want in pursuing your passion project. And video, piece of cake, right? It so, is. So just go on out there and go for it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.